It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. And happy Tuesday to everybody. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. Tabitha, you had an exciting weekend. So we have got to talk about your weekend. Yes, we had a great weekend. Well, you and I, first of all, had a tea at Murrayville Baptist Church, which was really fun. Um, It was so pretty and everything was decorated. They did such a great job, yes. They really did. So that was fun. That's my mom and dad's home church. So that was fun just to kind of go back there and see all of the people. Yeah. But we had a great time with our kids this weekend, too. Our big kids had a couple of big events happen. Our oldest son, Landon, hit his first home run in a baseball game, like over the fence. It was so exciting. Uh, The tough part was is that we were not there because we had to divide and conquer this weekend. So I was very upset about that. But but luckily, y'all have those cool cameras, so you did get to see it. We had a great video of it, so we got to see that. So he was super excited about that. And then our daughter had a piano recital and she just nailed it. She did so I saw great. the videos you posted and she did awesome. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, she did. She's been working hard. You know, she's at the stage in music and I remember doing this when I was learning piano in that I just want to give up, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I keep telling her every time I see her, don't because she yes. sings too. Uh, to be, I wish I would give anything to be able to play piano for myself and yeah. sing because I go to these churches all the time and they want me to sing, but they don't have a piano player or, yeah. you know, or they do, but they don't know right. how to play in the key that I need to sing it. Yeah. And man, to be able to play for yourself, I tell her that every time I see her. I'm well, like, keep going. I tell her keep all going. the time. I'm like, I've never heard anyone say, I'm so glad I gave up piano yeah, when I was no. a kid. They always say, I wish I had stuck yes, with it. Yes, that's me. I wish I would have stuck with it when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and she didn't. has a talent, so we're trying to encourage her through that. So we'll see where it goes from here, but right now she's really making some progress, she so did. that's really cool to see. She so. did so good. Yeah. So today is going to be our second episode within our family series, and we are going to be talking about how to love like Jesus as a wife. Yes. And some of these can kind of cross over when you're talking about wife, mother, husband. We are going to try to do our best to stay with just a wife. And so, Tabitha, how about you go ahead and just introduce the topic and let's get started because we have a lot to cover today. Well, we do have a lot to cover, but I thought it would be kind of fun for us just to talk about being a wife ourselves and just kind of everyone getting to know us as how we met our husbands or just when we knew that we wanted to marry them. Um, so you and Aaron had dated how long when you realized, like, this is the guy. I'm going to marry him. It was pretty quick, honestly. Yeah. Um, it was probably less than a year that I started thinking that. Yeah. Um, it, it was honestly probably sooner than that. But um, I don't know. It, it's just kind of when you find somebody and – you just kind of know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's just and different. And you think, like, like, 
yeah, I think I want to marry him. But then you're like, oh, I don't want to jump. I don't know. I don't know. So that so fast. So I think it was like probably within the first six months or so, but of dating. I feel like I knew pretty quickly. Like we were a couple of months in. That's when he told me that he loved me. And I really felt like this one was different. Right. There was something special. There was something special about this. Of course, once again, I didn't want to be like, this is the one. You always want to be careful about saying that. But I I, I felt that way. I really... Now looking back, I knew I knew early. Yeah, yeah, it, it happens early when you find that person. Yeah. So what was okay? Think about you and Derek in your dating life. What was yeah. like the most fun y'all had? What did y'all like to do when y'all were dating? I mean, we were very basic, you know, going out to dinner, going to see a movie. But one of the things I think that stuck out in my mind was our first date which was kind of unusual that I met his entire family, but his dad was coaching a little league team, and he invited me along to come to that. And I just like the fact that it was just so normal, just right. casual, but yet we still, no matter what we were doing, we had fun doing that. Right. And so I guess that's maybe not something specific about him, but just something that I remember that we just enjoyed Whatever we were doing, we just had a good time doing it. No matter what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So how did Aaron propose to you? Uh, It was, he proposed on Christmas Eve. So he knew I loved Christmas. And like, that's my favorite holiday. He knew I loved Christmas. And so Christmas Eve, we had kind of gone and looked at rings. So I thought maybe it would happen soon. I didn't know it was going to happen when it happened. So he, he did surprise me. And surprises don't come easy for me I don't know why but I I figure things out so he did surprise me so Christmas Eve we were all all my family my dad's family gets together Christmas Eve and my mom has always cooked for them and so all of the family was in the kitchen getting ready to make their plates and he said okay well before everybody eats I've got something that I gotta say and then he got down on one knee and asked me to marry him so it was it was really sweet to have all my family there yeah for that that was nice yeah it was cool yeah so ours was different a little bit different from that um Derek had bought a house and he was kind of I guess making preparation for whenever we did decide to get married but I had no idea when he was going to propose and one night I was just over there and it was around Halloween and he had told me to go out on the front porch and when I walked out there he had will you marry me carved in pumpkins and oh. we laugh now because I just stood there for a minute because it was not registering with my brain that like, is this really happening right now? And with pumpkins? Finally, and- when I turned around and he, he was down on one knee when I turned around and he was like, I did not think that you were ever going to turn around. You just stood there. And that is so sweet. I forgot he did that. That was, yeah. that's really cool. That was fun. But pumpkins were kind of a big thing when we first started dating because I mean, I had carved pumpkins, you know, growing up, but it wasn't a big deal to me. But his family always made a big deal, and it was like a competition. And so he just kind of carried that through into the proposal. Yeah, I love that. So how old were you when you got married? 23. 23. Yeah. That's right. I thought it was something like that. I couldn't remember. I was 25, so just a couple years after that. Yeah. Um, So what would you say – is the biggest difference now between dating and marriage? Oh, that's that's a tough one. I mean, 
I guess just like with anybody else, you know, when you're dating, you're pursuing that person. And so it's not necessarily the honeymoon phase, but you're experiencing that, just the the pursuit and, you know, once you've been married. Trying for, to win them, yeah, I guess. That and whole once you've doing been married whatever 16 years or yeah. however many years, um, some of that kind of fades, but yet there's still joy to be found even in that you know different yeah we were talking earlier that this is kind of a difficult season for our family in that there's a lot of stress and just so much going on and so sometimes we feel like passing ships in the night but you know just like last night the kids were had gotten their bath and we're sitting down to watch tv and we just went for a walk and just trying to find now moments that he and I can steal away even if it's just for a 20 minute walk down the street just to have that time together yeah yeah what's the what would you say has probably been the most difficult time of your marriage so far um I feel like after the birth of a kid (laughs) no matter at which stage it was you know with your first baby you're stressed with all of that and then with the second baby you're trying to manage two two and then when we adopted our twins then we have two older ones and then we're trying to balance the twins (laughs) and so all of those big life changes just trying to find your new normal and regulate I guess the family what would you say would be y'all's most difficult yeah that that's probably it by far you know when you add kids to the mix I think it just complicates things and when your kids are younger and you both are now trying to live a life because let's let's face it when you're first married you still have that me mentality yeah mentality you know I mean yeah you're married but you still do what you want to do he does what he wants to do kind of thing um but then when that baby comes along it is no more about me. And so yeah. just trying to find that balance of my whole life has changed. Yeah. I'm now responsible for another human being. There's so much joy that comes with that, but it is difficult to it try difficult. and navigate and find the balance, especially making sure that you're meeting your husband's needs, yeah, that you're meeting your baby's needs, and that your own needs are being met during that time. And I hate to say, you know, a lot of times our spouses are not – the top on that priority list when you have little ones. I mean, when they are fully relying on you to take care of them and survive, you know, they get pushed to the top and sometimes your marriage takes the backseat. And so I think that's probably been the most difficult. And, you know, Pace is older now. And I think as the kids get older, things start becoming easier for your marriage because you're able to leave your kids to go out together right? Um, a little bit easier than you are when they're younger. right? But now we have Reese. And so Pace and Reese are six years apart. And now I'm dealing with a toddler phase with Reese. And he doesn't really like to be away from me a whole lot. And so that complicates things. But I've been trying to put into perspective the priorities that God has set forth right. yeah. for us, which is, you know, God, your spouse, your kids and it kind of flows that way um is how it's supposed to work and so I've really been trying to work on that but kids definitely definitely complicate the marriage and just trying to figure that balance out yeah I can see that yeah at times especially like what what you were saying is as they're younger and just trying Mm -hmm. to navigate the younger it's it's harder when they're younger what would you say has been the most joyful time in your marriage thus far so it, it, once again, it's that balance of the two. 
having children can be difficult, but that was also yeah. watching my husband become a father mm-hmm. was so joyful and yeah. be- becoming a mother myself. Right. Um, and while it was difficult to navigate through that, just seeing the love that he and I both share for these kids was something that truly brought us together in, well, in ways that we that you before. have with your spouse that hopefully nobody else will ever have. Right. You know, yeah. it's it's that oh, we created this child together. Yeah. We're raising and developing yeah. this child together, yeah. and it's a special bond that you will never have with right. anybody else. Yeah. And so, so it's yeah. that catch twenty two of it yes. was a difficult time, but it was also the most joyful time. Well, that's why I say a mom is one of the hardest jobs, but most rewarding that you'll exactly. ever have. It's just exactly. so very true. So, um, before we kind of dive in, we wanted to acknowledge that as we talk about marriage and submission, so often it's misunderstood. Um, if you're in physical danger through a toxic relationship, you know, we just have to put out there, seek help immediately, whether it's by contacting your local law enforcement, finding a local women's shelter, or even Christian counseling. So as we begin talking about some of these topics, we just kind of wanted to throw in there that there is never a time to be going through physical Uh, abuse and physical harm. Exactly. Um, So yeah, we wanted to put that out there before we dove into uh, this topic of marriage. And of course, we're going to get into submission and that that does not mean that you are a punching stay bag in, in any way, you know, That's that right. you stay in a situation that you are in physical harm. So, um, but as we begin talking about marriage and roles as wives, uh, we need to all kind of be on the same page and have an understanding of how marriage began. And we have talked about in Genesis, I think it was our first yeah. episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, of how man and woman were created, but marriage is not man-made. I think sometimes we think that it was, but it's not. It was ordained by God back in Genesis 1 after God had created man and woman. In Genesis 1, 27 through 28, it says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So Ashley, will you continue reading then? Skip on to Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. I love that the Bible says that God brought her to Adam. Eve was a gift to him, a companion, someone to love, to cherish, and to be a helpmeet. And once again, we did talk about that in our very first episode. So if you want more information on that, definitely go back and check out that episode. But one of my favorite verses of scripture, and Derek and I actually had this scripture read over us at our wedding, comes from Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. You know, it was at the time in this ceremony where normally the bride and the groom would light the unity candle or perform a sand ceremony or something like that, but we braided a threefold cord, and we use this verse of scripture to symbolize us coming together as one flesh, but that we would be stronger with Christ at the center. 
And the scripture says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Our pastor, John Dale, at the time read this passage and shared that together we're good, but with me, Derek, and the Lord joined together, it will not be easily broken. I like that. I remember that was the first time I had ever seen the three chord at a wedding. At a wedding. Yeah, with I had seen someone else do it, and I was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. Yes, I love that. So Proverbs also offers us some wisdom and encouragement as wives. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Just a reminder that we are a gift. And Proverbs 19.14 says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. And I just have to kind of go into what prudent means there because yeah. I think if we think of prudent we yeah, think of a, a prude, prude you <laughs> no, know. It, sounds, it doesn't sound um, nice <laughs> no but prudent actually means acting with or showing care and thought for the future that is from the Lord caring and thoughtfulness yeah so that that's Old Testament which are some great verses but now we're going to jump to the New Testament and the teachings from Paul on God's design for marriage and our role as the wife in the home. So Ashley, if you'll begin reading, and this is a lot of scripture, but this is great scripture concerning this. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or blemish or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of the body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you all are thinking. We see that wives submit yourselves into your own husbands. I just, I can't help but laugh because my husband throws around Ephesians 5 all the time. And anybody who knows him that might be listening to this <laughs> podcast has to be laughing right now. I'm thinking of some specific people in my head, but I always keep telling him, keep reading, yeah, right? Keep, keep reading. reading. Yeah. Cause it doesn't stop there. That <laughs> is right. true. But we know what you're thinking because we have all felt oh, that yeah. way at one time or another. <laughs> I am not submitting to anyone, especially 
a man. Yep. <laughs> you know, we're no longer living in 1950, right? That's right. Um, and hasn't this kind of been our theme that like I'm a strong, independent yep. woman? <laughs> Ashley, have you said it before? Oh yes, <laughs> I sure have. I make my own way, and we're taught from a young age as women that this is the motto. This is what we should live by. And I can't help but think about all the songs that that yeah. talk about independent women. Like I can go on and on and on the songs that I listened to growing up. And we love about I N D E P E N D E N T. Do you know what that means? I mean, like I listened to this stuff growing up, and it was ingrained in my head, right? Yeah. But if we believe that all Scripture is inspired by God, and that all Scripture is profitable for us, as it says in Second Timothy three sixteen, then yes. Even this scripture, this scripture that is completely counterculture in today's world, is beneficial for us. It has purpose and meaning, and if we obey it, we will reap the benefits of God's blessings that are always tied to our obedience to His Word. So let's first talk about the word submit. This word submit is not an act of force, but according to Bible.org, is the attitude and action of willingly and wholeheartedly respecting, yielding to, and obeying the authority of another. It is a willingness that comes from your heart to be brought under the protection and authority that has been placed over you by God himself. I love the illustration of an umbrella. So the husband submits himself directly to God under the umbrella of his protection and will, and then the woman submits herself to the protection and love of the husband. Yeah. That's some good stuff right there. God does not bring confusion, but order. And he gives us guidance and instruction to protect our homes and families. If we are constantly in battle with our husbands over who's in charge, there's not going to be any peace in our homes. But if we are both submitting to the authority and the will of God's design, our homes will be a safe haven, a refuge, and comfort against the world and Satan. And I think that's why so many homes are struggling right now. Yeah. Because we are not living in our homes through scripture and biblically the way that God designed us and the way God chose us to live. Yeah. And, you know, I just love that God knows our nature. And so we can find instruction in his word to be able to live according to his will. Yes. So when we look back at Ephesians 5, he uses this illustration to align the home with how the church submits to Christ. And I found this quote by Stephen Cole that I just thought was, it explains this so well. It says, when a husband treats his wife poorly and puts her down, he is proclaiming heresy that Christ abuses and puts down his bride. If he is a dictator over his wife, he tells the world that the gentle, loving Christ is a cruel tyrant. When a man abdicates his headship and lets his wife lead, he preaches that Christ does not lovingly shepherd his church and that the church is free to live out from under submission to Christ. Again, heretical lies. If a husband deserts his wife, either through unfaithfulness or indifference, or by being married to his career or hobbies, he preaches that Christ abandons his church, another falsehood. So as married Christians, our witness to a watching world is very much entwined with how we relate as husband and wives. Oh man, I love that quote. That's I really good. I thought it was so great. Yeah. That is really good. Um, so I kind of wanted to go back to the whole submitting yourselves to your husband yeah. thing. Um, so 
Back in the day, you have to think, I know when we hear this, some of us women just boil inside. Yeah, we like, Really? Yeah. 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 But the thing is, is that that wouldn't have been so earth shattering back in the day when this was written yeah. and when this scripture was given because back then the wives did submit to their husbands. I mean, they were already submitting to their husbands, yeah. but they, the husbands used them as receptacles. Yeah. They were, they were nothing. They yeah. had no value. They were, they were property. Yeah, that's exactly right. They were treated as property. And so it would have been more earth shattering for the Bible to tell their husbands to love their wives as themselves. Yeah. And as Christ loved the church. Right. Um, and so I think when the scripture probably came about, the women were like, yes, yes, yes. finally, yes. you're going to see me as more than just a piece of property. Right. I'm to, I'm to be loved and cherished as Christ loves and cherishes the church. Yeah. So I think just to kind of point that out, I don't think back in the day they were like, oh, I'm not, I'm not submitting to my yeah. husband. And, and, you know, it was this yeah. whole, they were already treated as property. And so this verse of scripture would have been, uh, freeing for them almost, yeah. that their husbands are Shifted given the way how they were treated. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to remember that, that we look at the wives submitting as countercultural today, Mm -hmm. but the command for husbands to love their wives well would have been countercultural then. And I have to say that it says in scripture, in these verses, it tells the husband to love his wife four times in this scripture. Oh, that's good. And it it tells the woman to submit once. once. Yeah. So just kind of keep that in your mind. Yeah, and we do want to point out that according to God's word, our value as human beings is equal. Galatians 3, 26 through 28 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. However, even though our value is equal, our roles are different. There is a huge shift in our society to degrade the God-given design we were created for. Men are trying to become women, and women are trying to become men, but we can't change how God created us, male and female. I know this may offend some, but you can try and cut off body parts or add body parts to change how God created you, but we can't change the inherent DNA that was woven into our being as we were knitted together in our mother's womb. That's exactly right. Being a wife is a treasured honor. We don't have to seek to play the part of a man because our roles are equally important but different. We think differently, we look differently, and we were designed differently. But it's okay because we are uniquely special. Femininity is not a thing of the past. It's just as important today as it was in the 1950s and before. And our role in the home is just as important as it was then as well. Yeah, God did give us gender-based roles. So let's look at Titus 2 as we dive a little bit deeper into this topic. 
So we looked at this verse of scripture when we had our moms on a couple weeks ago, but let's just refresh our memories. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior that becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Well, and so we're going to kind of break this down a little bit. We're not going to go super in depth into this scripture, but just for the sake of time, we, we can't do that. But we do want to look into what these words mean. And it plainly tells us our role as women and wives. Number one, specifically, it says to be sober. Yeah. And Ashley, I don't know about you, but I was it brought to mind like this mommy wine culture that oh, I've yeah. got to intoxicate myself to make it through the day. That's and right. that is a lie. Yeah. It tells us to be sober minded. That's right. Um, to love their husbands. You know, we, we've talked before about how we become one flesh devoted to one another. Um, so even though it tells us to submit, we're to love our husbands as well, to love our children. And I know that that's both of those are very self-explanatory, but that word discreet is self-controlled, wise, that word prudent again in their conduct, you know, loving and chaste means to be pure in your body, your affection, your words and action. And when it talks about keepers at home, it means to be tending to your own family affairs, not going to someone else's family. It's tending to what you have here at home and that obedient to the husbands and we've already gone more in depth of what it means to submit and to obey in that um so i just want to talk about because i know we have had some questions um before on what it really means to be submissive mm -hmm. to your husband so Tabitha, can you give us an example of something where maybe a time in your life in your marriage that you were submissive to derek in the way that maybe you you were on different pages as far as what you thought about a situation. Well, I can give you this example that uh, Derek had been called into ministry. And when he first began pastoring, he was pastoring at a small church. He was bivocational. So for those of you that don't know what that means, he was working full time in the corporate world, but he was also pastoring and I will say pastoring full-time yeah. on a part-time salary because he was still having to do all of the same things that every pastor does. It was just a very um, difficult time for him, especially just because he was exhausted. And I did not want him to leave his corporate job because I'll be honest, that was our bread and butter yeah. at the time. Um, he made good money with that. We were very comfortable financially. Um, and it took time, but the Lord began to work on my heart. I'll tell you exactly how this came about. Derek had talked to me a little bit about leaving his corporate job. And every time he talked about it, I was like, no, you can't do that. And one Sunday, I was sitting on the front row in church, and I can't even remember what Derek was preaching about. But it was one time in my life that no, God did not speak to me audibly, but he might as well have because I knew exactly what he was telling me at that moment. And I was looking up and I was watching Derek preach. And to my heart, the Lord spoke and was like, this is what, what I have doing. called him to do. <laughs> yep. And you're keeping him from doing that. 
And so after church, we were heading to lunch and I told Derek, I said, Derek, I know that you've been talking about quitting your job. And I have said no time and time again, but the Lord told me this morning, you just do what you need to do and he's going to take care of us. And one of the few times that my husband has cried, he teared up that (laughs) moment and he said, it's so crazy because just last night I was praying, feeling like I needed to leave my job. And he said, but I told God, God, I don't want to fight with Tabitha on this topic. I need you to speak to her heart. And he did. That I had no idea that Derek was praying that prayer. He had no idea that God was speaking to my heart. And, you know, because of this verse of Scripture that Derek um, is the leader of our household at any time, he could have walked in his yeah. job and quit. Yep. But he wanted this to be a joint decision, and ultimately it was. I couldn't hold it over his head any longer if he did quit. Right. That, well, if you had kept working, um, because God had spoken to my heart. And Derek will be held responsible for our family and his leadership. Um, and I, as his wife, must respect that heavy burden that's placed on him. But I just love how he didn't dictate over me. Right. He shepherded me. Yes. He was patient with me. And God did the work in my heart. And we came to the same conclusion. All the while he was praying, you were praying. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, I teared up when you were telling that because I've seen that in Aaron and I's life. And I think if you get on the same page yeah. With your faith and you put God first, he's going to speak to both of you. That reminds me, and I, I know most of you have seen this illustration, but like a triangle, how when God is at the top yeah, and how, you know, at the bottom points that it's the husband and wife, that as they're getting closer to God, they're gradually getting closer to one another yes. as well. And they're all becoming one together. And when we're walking so with true. the Lord and being obedient to Him, that's exactly what the picture looks like of us coming together. It's so true because there's so many times that I've said things to Aaron that, you know, God's just kind of been talking to me about this or that. And he's like, wow, I'm not, I can't believe you just said that because yeah. I just had this I'm feeling the same, same thought. Way. I'm feeling, yeah. yeah. And so it's just amazing if you put God first, what He can do. Right. But we also want to add, you know, talking about this word, submit. It's kind of what Tabitha said. It doesn't mean that the husband must make every single decision in your marriage, but he is responsible for every decision made. And you know, us as women, I'm a strong willed woman. Like I am, I'll be the first to tell you when Erin and I started dating, I had my own job. I graduated college, you know, right before we got married, I had high expectations yeah. for myself in in the money I was going to make and where I was going to go mm-hmm. in the corporate world. And, you know, after I had kids and we started getting closer to the Lord and I had to start realizing what was best for our family, mm-hmm. that mind shift, I'm still strong-willed. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. And he'll tell <laughs> you that. Like, he'll tell you that, you know, I don't mind putting my two cents in. <laughs> but I also have learned how to step back yeah. And let him make the decisions that he's supposed to make for our family right. and be there to support him in those. Because at the end of the day, I don't want that responsibility. Yeah. I don't want my family's, you know, faith in what we do and all the decisions we make to be on my, yeah. on my hands, because it, that's a lot. That's that a is lot. a lot of responsibility. Lot of yeah. So I couldn't help but think while we were reading this and talking about this, because we do have husbands that are faithful and that have put God first in their lives. And in turn, we've put God first in our family, in our family's life. But 
What if some listeners out there are kind of saying, what if my husband is lost or not leading according to God's biblical design? Well, you know, God's word is going to address this topic as well. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, so if he's not following God, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And I just love this scripture that by your obedience to God and your role as a wife, you can win your husband to the Lord. Remember, we already talked about that word chaste. And here it is again, pure in your conversation with him, your heart, your love, and your fear and reverence of the Lord can be what draws him to Christ. But I'll be the first to say it might not always happen overnight. But it's not you nagging at him constantly. It's kindness and love that will draw him to repentance. And a few years ago, Derek and I, we were mentored and trained by an amazing couple that led us through our certification in marriage counseling with families and couples. And one verse that they reiterated over and over, which is not necessarily directed to couples, but is just great advice for us to live by and one that I reflect back on often in marriage is Proverbs 3.27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. We're not in competition of one another. We are on the same team and our respect and love for one another will allow us to work together as one flesh, how God intended. So don't withhold good things from your spouse. Love him, serve him, honor him as the leader, guide, and shepherd of your home. I can't help but think about, you know, talking about winning your spouse to the Lord. And I know everybody knows who these people are, but the Duck Dynasty group yeah. of people, the Robertson family, yeah. um, you know, if you're kind of struggling with this and maybe have a partner that's kind of living worldly and, you know, you have you have kids or even if you don't, I would check out their story because it could be very influential on your life and motivational to help you keep going. Keep going, yeah. Um, and I know that they actually have a movie coming out that tells Kay and Phil's story. I think even seeing that, um, I don't know if anybody has ever watched these, but they're I Am Second. And they're little 15, 20-minute videos. You can find them on YouTube. But if you pull up the I Am Second of the Robertson family, you can kind of see some of Kay and Phil's story. And also there's just other stories go and check out that may can encourage yeah. you and know that you're not the only one out there that's dealing with it yeah. and you can still deal with it in a godly yeah. manner. I love that. So, so with all of this being said, I think we've kind of covered what a wife's role is and how we're supposed to love our husbands and what our duty is. What is the purpose in us discussing this today? I think the major thing is that we want you all to know that fulfilling your God-given role as a wife and submitting to your husband does not exemplify weakness, but strength and self-control and honor. Don't listen to the voices of those who don't even understand what this concept of submission means. It's not degrading to us as women, but it's honoring and it's protective of our hearts and of our homes. But most importantly, it's God honoring and fulfilling your role as a wife and submitting yourself to his love and his protection over you. That's really good. I like that. 
so many times I think we hear submit and we do think weakness and it's just not not what it means. It is strength. That's so true. And know that, you know, you're setting an example for your kids of marriage and and everything else. And I know we'll get to talking more about that in our episode on kids, but you are setting an example. Um, So what is our challenge this week that we can take into next week or just that we can take into our lives in general? Find ways this week to adhere to God's design for your home. Do you have a big decision or maybe even just a small one that's coming up? Rather than forcing your husband's hand to give in to your wants and desires, let him lead. Pray over him, encourage him, but ultimately give him the room to be the leader of your home that God has designed him to be. And don't worry because the men are not off the hook. In two weeks, we're going to bring in some godly men to teach us about God's design for the husband in the home and how his obedience to God's word will guide his family into holiness. That's right. It takes both parties to, to work this out. God made us different for a reason, and it takes both of us, male and female. I have to reiterate that. Yeah. Um, but I think that is all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was a little bit lengthier episode than what we normally do, but we wanted to cover as much as we possibly can on the topic. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Next week, we will be continuing this family series. So make sure you're following along wherever you listen to your podcast so you're notified as soon as the episode is released. Thank you for your love and support. And as always, remember, a sincere desire to become purposeful woman of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.